0: Hey, lady listeners, get ready because Read Me Romance alumni, Samantha Chase, has a brand new release in her Magnolia Sound series. It's called The Last Beautiful Girl. If you listen to her audiobook with us, Head Over Wheels, you guys know she's been on the podcast. She is amazing. If you listen to that, then you know just how hot this is going to be. Let me read you the book bio of Last Beautiful Girl, and I'll tell you where to get it. When Kyle Jones let Sidney Albright walk out of his life, he gave up on the idea of settling down. How could he when he broke the heart of the only woman he ever loved? For years, he distracted himself with a parade of women, all the while hoping he would see Sydney again. But he never wanted it to be like this. Sydney wasn't prepared to become a mom overnight. When she loses her sister and brother-in-law in a tragic accident, she moves back home to become a caregiver for her heartbroken niece. It's no surprise to her when the small town rallies to offer support to one of their own. However, that doesn't make Kyle showing up on her doorstep any less jarring. While Kyle claims he's only there to help, Sydney is instantly on edge. Not only did she vow never to fall for him again, but his timing couldn't be worse. Her niece needs to be her number one priority. Still, seeing the pain in Sydney's eyes, Kyle won't turn his back on her. Not again. He always said she was the first beautiful girl he loved, and now he's determined to make her the last. Go get Last Beautiful Girl by Samantha Chase. It's in the Magnolia Sound Series, but it can totally be read as a standalone. Grab it today. It's live everywhere. Today, today, today. Go get it, ladies. And I'll see you guys in just a second.
1: Hey, lady listeners. Hey, lady DJs.
0: What's up? What's up? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the shit show. Let's do it. (laughs) Do you ever... Okay, I have a quick question right at the top. Do you ever like are you using a piece of technology and like you're cursing it because it's broken and it won't work but then it's user error and you have to like sort of you know reevaluate who the asshole is in the situation every day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> at least every day i was so angry at my blow dryer this morning because it was it's like my really nice Dyson one that i got for my birthday and um it kept cutting off and i was like Oh fuck you, fuck you! You're not cutting off, you piece of shit. And I'm like, like just talking down to it the whole time, and it just keeps cutting off. It's like it's overheating. And I was like, you piece of shit! Do you know how much money you cost? And I was like, I need to clean the filter. That's why it's doing this, because like, the filter was like solid
1: white okay, hold on a second. from like dust and stuff. There's a filter in your hair dryer.
0: Yeah. Well, is there it's, one in mine? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. So, you know that part that goes on the, on the normal hair jar on the back of it that you can take off and kind of blow yeah. it off? It's like lint that co- gets on the back of it. Mm-hmm. So, so, Dyson has that on the wand because I have the one that like curls your hair and stuff and blow dries it. It's yeah. the, the stick thing. And so, on the bottom of it, it's this thing that twists off. And I kept twisting it off and I was like, what's wrong with you? What? what why won't you work? And I was like, there's lint all over it, and it just can't get any air in. So I felt like such an asshole this morning already. I just recently. Oh, sorry.
2: I have that yeah. one that circles the it's just a yes. blow dryer that goes like that. You have to. Uh, i took me a while to realize you got to pull out all your hair. Or yeah, because it like, gets your
0: hair just wrapped around it, all, and it just builds up. But that thing, mm-hmm. I used that a couple of times and it was, it made my hair so smooth and it dried it so fast, but I could tell the longer I used it, the heat is so high on it. Like it's really damaged. It's not something you can use every time you blow dry your hair, but like if you, if you, if you want like a nice look and you want a blowout, that's the thing to use. Like Revlon makes it, it looks like a massive curling iron and it just blows hot air out of it. But it just smooths as it does I have it and it doesn't work for me.
1: It just makes my hair really frizzy and like, I don't know, it just, I I got it for Christmas and I thought this is the answer to all my problems. And then I used it (laughs) once and I was so sad because I I was like, this is it, I'll just blow dry my hair with a curling thing, it'll be great. Nope, Mm -hmm. didn't work.
0: Now, we'll say with that one, it took me a lot longer. Like, you really have to section off your hair like you would your if you're using a curling iron. So, it takes twice as long to blow dry it. mm. But it's generally the same amount of time if you're going to blow it and straighten it or blow it and curl it. You know, like, that's generally the, the same amount of time. But you're just doing it all at once. So, it feels like it takes forever.
1: Speaking of filters, I just recently found out there's filters um, – there's, like, a trap filter in your dishwasher <laughs> that you're supposed to clean out.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, there Well, there's some – I don't even know about the filter in my dryer. That's <laughs> no, a- there is one in your dishwasher, too, because some, some dishwashers will come with a disposal already in it. So, if food gets in it, it just runs after a cycle, and it rinses it out.
3: Um. So, like
0: – so, for example, when we bought our first house, it said there was a disposal, and I remember getting there, and when we moved in, I, I remembered, and I was like, wait, they said there was a garbage disposal, and there wasn't one in the sink, and they were like, it's in the dishwasher, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I had never
2: heard yeah, of that before. I never story.
0: heard of that until now.
2: I kind of linking to what <laughs> we're talking about, and yesterday, we got no, we have no plates. I don't understand how we have no plates. How is that even possible. <laughs> no no i was like so we have no plates i'm like where the hell are all of our plates and isabel's like i swear they're out of my room i swear <laughs> so i order new plates and my husband unboxes them and i go to the dishwasher to start it he just put them away no. he didn't
0: wash them first that's it get a divorce yeah he divorce. put them away i'm like you're done what is wrong with <laughs> so you clothes in the mail like if you order
1: clothes from like a store you wash them before you put them on yeah. Yeah. I watched them so first. I, like I really wanted like for the longest time like a really comfortable sleep shirt. You know like that went down mm-hmm. past my knees that like I could just like yeah. I yeah. have to put on pants. I could just get out of bed mm-hmm. and walk around in it. So I ordered one from Ugg. Uh, Ooh. And it, yeah, and it's How is it? I'm
0: like so excited. I want to know how it yes. is. I've never ordered clothes from them. I'm, just shoes. I, well, I, I was just
1: looking for, like, good sleep shirts, and I, I have, and it came across that I didn't know, like...
0: This sp- is the one, right? This is, right? is going to change your life. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like okay, <laughs> I hope I have time. I hope it gets
1: delivered in time for me to take it out of the package and wash it, and then go to bed in it. Like, yeah, and
0: then be in bed yeah. with it. Yes, um, you're already planning ahead. Right. I love I it. I'm really
1: excited about it. just...
0: So I told you guys, um, yesterday that I finished, um, a touch of stone and snow and I just want, can I talk about it for like three hours? Is that okay? (laughs) I just need to, I just need to, so what I want to do is give you a preface and Milivane listens to this podcast. So I'm going to fuck this up. So if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I have to tell this book the way it made sense to me. So in the book, the characters, the heroine's name is Lizen, and the hero's name is Erex, and so, in the very beginning of it, Lizen is sort of an outcast from her family, because she went to battle, and everyone died except her, and I think they just assumed that she ran, that, so she was basically dishonored from her family, from, they lived on, they lived on an island, and she was outcast from the island, so, she is sort of just kind of making her way in life. But the thing was, so to go back to the hero, his name is Arax. He was a prince, He was a bastard prince. So I guess he was the king's son with someone else. But something happened and all the heirs died. So he has to become king. I guess he's a prince right now. But um, he doesn't want to. He was, they call him the feral prince because he was raised in the woods and nobody would talk to him and stuff. Like if you were shamed in their village, they won't speak your name. They won't even acknowledge that you're there. And that's what they did with Lizen. And so Lizen and he were friends from the time they were little and she would talk to him. She would speak his name even though she wasn't supposed to. And so they fell in love like as little kids and he was just like, well, you're mine and that's it. And they grow up together until, you know, they're young adults and they are so in love. And he's just obsessed with her. Oh, my God. Like, I've never read a hero like this. I cannot tell you how fucking obsessed he is where he's just like well there's no other way the world exists if we're not together so <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna do if you die so well he's like, no. he's like it's a long way to go to hell to find you but I guess <laughs> like, like he's just oh my like, god I'm, I'm reading I, it this weekend oh I need my god I haven't read a romance so in like obsessed. five books I'm, I'm dying so obsessed one. with this so anyway, so Lizen is outcast after this happens and he lets her go, because, and there's reasons and stuff, and you learn all that happens, but he's basically tracking her down, this whole book, and then he's just like, and he has this huge, like, mountain lion cat that loves her, too, and it's his kind of, like... It's basically like his brother kind of thing, but the cat loves her, and he's longing for her, too, oh, and they're both looking for her. That. Oh, my God. So it's when you said sense. he was
1: raised in, like, the, like the, four, uh, the jungle and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they call
0: him the feral and prince. And I was like, yeah. it, may,
1: it reminded me of the jungle book, so now you're telling me there's a jungle cat <laughs> as well, and I'm like...
0: yes. I see the parallels. Like, I see this. <laughs> I, I see you, Melivane. But, um, so anyway, so Lizzie goes on this thing and she asks for a quest from Vela, who they believe is their god, their goddess, and so Vela gives her a quest. She's drunk as shit when she asks for this quest. And so she gives it to her. She's like, I guess if you really want mm-hmm. it. And so there's one part and I have to tell you because it made me laugh so hard. So Vela's like tells her, she was like, you can have this quest. She was like, but every drop of alcohol you bring to your lips. She was like, you can't drink anymore. And she's like, okay, I'll give up alcohol for this quest because I just, I need to bring honor back to my family. Like I've shamed them. Nobody will speak my name, like all this stuff. And that's why she's on class. And so Vela's like, okay. And she said, and, but then, and Lizzie's like, well, what if I'm weak? What if I want to drink? And she's like, I'll purify everything you bring to your mouth. And she's like, okay. And so every time she tries to drink alcohol, it's just water the whole time. It's just oh, water, water. This
2: is my nightmare. But
0: there's, I know, right? <laughs> so she's, so there's this scene where her and ex are in, are, are like hooking up and stuff. And she gives him a blowjob it's oh, cute. my God. Like, I think Vela verified your dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hard. She's like, it's refreshing. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. Oh, my God. It's so good. But the whole time they're on this quest, um, they're, you know, they're hooking up along the way. And it's just, oh, my. Uh, he... he <laughs> is so crazy for her he loves her so much it's insane and the book you know I will say like it's a fantasy book and it there's so much that's happening it's like there's dragons and there's these creatures and there's and along the way the, all these stories these legends keep getting told and I was listening to an audio and the narrator is incredible and she does all these great voices but it's a lot to keep up with. Like, it is not just a casual light read. Like, it's it's heavy in the fact that, like, there is a world that is being built and you have to pay attention to the characters and what's happening and the gods and goddesses and these legends. But if you hang with it, literally the last hour of this book, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, "Well, how are they going to do this? How are they going to get out? What's going to happen? Like, I could not... Get through it, and then the last twenty minutes, I stopped it in audio, and I was like, I don't want to finish it. Like it was at this crucial point, and I was like, I don't want to know what happens because when it's over, it's over, and I don't have anything else. And oh god, but I finished it last night. It was so good. <sighs> I just need to get that. No, my chest. I'm gonna. I'm
1: definitely gonna. Um, I'm definitely gonna read it this weekend because I remember the first she one. So being good. like Yes. I remember the build up to the grovel. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is gonna be oh, so god. good. Like, yeah, I was just so excited That about one's
0: good. That one I love because Maddox is like, he's such an asshole to her for, for like a large majority of the beginning mm-hmm. of the book. And then he's like, fuck, I love yeah. her. And then he has to come yeah. back from that. And it's so, that mm-hmm. grovel's so good. But this one was like she was trying to prove herself and prove her worth and honor her family and all this stuff. And, you know, there was all these things that were, that she was trying to do. And he was like, well, I guess we just got to go do this. If you're going to do it, let's go. You know, it was like, he was just, all he was there to do was support and love her and kill people that got in her way. And there was one part where he's, oh my God, it was so good. (laughs) There was one part when he was like, he was like, if I have to kill everyone here to for you to be happy, I'll do it right now. He's like, I don't give a fuck. He was like, I don't give a fuck about being a prince, about this kingdom, about this whole fucking island of these people relying on me. He's like, I don't give a shit about anybody. He was like, I will literally kill everyone. I don't care. And he was just, was just sitting there so like, romantic. God, my husband sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I am like, oh my That's husband kills for me movie. is well, spiders. Can I say
1: something about that really <laughs> quick? Yeah, go ahead. What is it about people, I might I might have already ranted about this on this podcast, but people who aren't scared of spiders are so mean to people who are. Like, can we just be scared of spiders? <laughs> they like, are! be like, oh my god. Every time we get scared, like, just kill hey, I'm not the afraid spiders. afraid of spiders. What?
0: Do you, do I treat you like this? I'm not afraid of spiders. I, I don't mind spiders My at all. husband,
1: like, every time I, I'm, I like, ask him to kill a spider, it's like you, it's like I just asked him to go on a quest. So, like, this guy will kill everybody <laughs> in the room. My he won't even kill a spider for me. And then I have friends, too. Like, it's people that aren't scared of spiders are so condescending to people who are. And I'm, <laughs> I, I'm done with it. Everybody, like, you need to sign a petition or something because
2: I'm over it. I didn't realize when I run and I see a bug, I jump over it. Like I, I don't care the bugs that are on the same sidewalk as me. I'll jump (laughs) over them. Have
0: somebody throw some fake spiders in front of you. You just
1: be like (laughs) skipping down the road. (laughs) <laughs> um, so this week uh the podcast, we're just going to do one long episode. There won't be one. long, Yeah, long. there won't be a second episode this week. And the reason for that is that we I brought along because this is my week on the podcast and I brought a um, the first chapter of Tools of Engagement, the audiobook, so that you guys can listen to it. It's kind of like a little preview and maybe you can decide if you want to go buy the rest of the audiobook or or the book itself. It's a sexy sample. It's a sexy sample. It's the first chapter. <laughs> And actually it's not sexy because it's the hero waking up, uh, his five-year-old niece waking him up.
3: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and, uh, yeah.
1: And, and, you know, cause he's raising her temporarily. Okay. Yeah. So we're just going to do one long episode. So
0: do you want to read, do you want to, do you have the bio for it? Maybe before the, we start the chapter, you could read the book bio for Tools of Engagement. Yeah, right here. <laughs> if you don't have it memorized, I was going to say, if you don't have it memorized, I know. <laughs> um,
1: Okay. Here's the the book bio for tools of engagement. Hair, makeup, clothing, decor, everything in Bethany Castle's world is organized, planned, and styled to perfection. The homes she designs for her family's real estate business are the most coveted in town. The only thing not perfect, her track record with men. So she's on a dating hiatus, and now she finally has time to focus on her dream. Flip a house from framework to furnishings all by herself. Except her older brother runs the company and won't take her seriously. When a TV producer gets wind of the castle's sibling rivalry, they're invited on Flip Off, a competition to see who can do the best renovation. Bethany wants bragging rights, but she needs a crew, and the only member of her brother's construction team willing to jump ship is Wes Daniels, the new guy in town. However, Wes's Texas drawl and handsome face got under Bethany's skin on day one, and the last thing she needs is some cocky young cowboy in her way. As the race to renovate heats up, Wes and Bethany are forced into close quarters, trading barbs and biting banter as they remodel the ugliest house on the block. It's a labor of love, hate, and everything in between, and soon sparks are flying. Bethany's perfectly structured life is one kiss away from going up in smoke, and she knows falling for a guy like Wes would be a flipping disaster.
0: <laughs> I like that. So what happens next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. It's, read it's it and out find now. Out. It's out. It
1: just came out uh, in real time. It came out yesterday. So,
0: so if you read "Fix Her Up," if you love that "Tools of Engagement," "Love Her or Loser," um, "Love Her or Loser," mm-hmm. so it's all in the Hot and Hammered series. Yes. So go, go get, get it. it. It's a complete series now. So uh, I also well go ahead if you have other nope, stuff to I talk don't. about. I gotta, <laughs> uh, no, well, I, I've, well, I've, I've got. Progress, um, but, okay. Well, I also saw that Abby Knox released a book called "Butter Queen." And I am angry that we did not come up with this sooner. I love that like, cover. I'm offended, <laughs> I text her. I was like, "Really, bitch?" <laughs> because of the title. <laughs> Yes, and the cover is so beautiful. It's this gorgeous blonde, blonde bombshell that's on it, and it says Butter Queen like it's written in butter. Oh, <laughs> I, just like, I didn't notice I that. I was like, I've never
2: seen this girl. and I, I search Shutterstock all the time. I'm like, I've never seen yeah, this girl. Just, it was like, I don't know where she got her.
0: Whatever it was. But, um, it killed me because like when I saw it, I texted her, I was like, are you, I was like, I've even said on this, on this podcast that I think I put the word butter in every book and that's my legacy I leave behind for my children. So (laughs) I'm, I'm upset that I don't have it. But it it was so cute. Like, uh, I read the book blurb the other day when I did it, and I was like, okay, I'm going to love this book. So, I just wanted to give a shout out to Abby Knox having the best title and cover ever right Is Butter Queen,
1: like, a phrase that people use?
0: No, she said it was based on, um, she's from uh, Indiana. And it's based on like a a thing that happens back home for her. There's like a there's like a like in the fair or something. There's like a queen. She said, I think it's like the butter fair or some shit. I'm gonna look it up because she texted me the other day. and I told saw, me. I saw like that um,
1: some of the state fairs they do just like like fried butter. Yeah. Just like
0: a fried I know. of know. A fried stick of butter. I know. I'm like I don't. In, in I don't theory, see the I'm like I
1: never would eat that. But then I bet you it tastes
0: amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you know I saw one time that Chrissy Teigen said that she would try a human? She was like, I mean, wouldn't you? Like, she was, like, shocked that the person beside her was like, no, I'm not going to eat a human. She was like, if I knew that they died humanely, that they were okay with it, she was like, I would try it. Oh, no, no, no. And I was like, oh, maybe not. Like, what part of them?
1: Their flesh? I don't, I guess so. I don't know. No. no, I mean, if my no. if my survival depended on it, then yes, like I would eat anything. If that was the case, but I wouldn't just like if I had. To Doesn't this- eating
2: human drive you insane? I, I thought eating human can drive you insane. I think
0: so it's just protein.
2: It does something to your brain. <gasps> After so
0: long, it probably fucks you up because oh, you're eating sure. It probably was psychological. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we got on this. Let me go back a step. Let's go back a step. <laughs> so, Abby Knox said, when I asked her about it, she said, I was missing the butter cow at the Iowa State Fair, also the Texas State Fair, which I believe is in September. I don't think they do beauty pageants, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> really? So, yeah. So, they don't actually have a butter queen pageant, but that's what it's based on. So, I think that's awesome. the best part of being a writer, it's just making it up. Just yeah. <laughs> making things yeah. up. Yeah, just being like, you know what? I'll fuck it.
2: I find it interesting that I thought I started to type, can you eat? And it's first thing that popped up was poop. <laughs> <Coke.
1: laughs> oh my God, like, oh, in the Google search. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, i like, I think that says many. more about poop. <laughs> <me. laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs>
1: I started watching this show last night called In the Dark. Oh, what's it about? So it's about this woman who is like kind of, she's blind. And she is friends with this kid who sells drugs in the alley behind her building. Like they're they're friends, you know, like he stopped her from getting beat up two years prior in the alley and like called an ambulance for her and saved her life. And then they became friends. And then, um... One night she's walking in the alley and she's like calling out for him and she, he doesn't call back for once. So she like starts to feel on the ground. and She feels like his body. Oh and, shit. And then the body disappears. And now she's trying to solve his murder. And so okay. it's a blind woman <laughs> trying to solve a murder and it's good. It's really good. Uh, yeah. Really? Casey Diedrich from, if you watch passion flicks, he mm-hmm. was in, I think, Driven, the the Kate oh, Bromberg's like yeah, yeah, movie
2: yeah.
1: and um, he's so cute and he's pl- he's playing her love interest although he doesn't show up till like the second episode um, but I'm liking yeah. it and it's so weird because I'm writing a book where the heroine's blind and it's like really? I really count on one hand like how many mm-hmm. forms of media I've seen about blind people like or that's like mm-hmm. you know And I just happened to come across this show while I'm writing writing about a blind. Yeah, that's
0: insane. It's helping a lot because I'm writing
1: it, and I'm like, am I being patronizing? Like, is the are they like? Am I am I exaggerating how difficult this is for blind people? Because. You know, it seems like if you've lived it your whole life, you've figured out ways Mm -hmm. to navigate, you have systems in place, like you, you know. Yeah. But according to this show, and I I don't, I mean, obviously it's a TV show, it's not like a documentary, but it is really, really hard, you know, (laughs) like Yeah, yeah, if you're in an unfamiliar place, like, and sounds are unfamiliar and you don't know where you're going and your phone is dead, like, what do you do? You know, you have to like rely on strangers. So anyways, it's been, I'm just so glad I came across it but it's on, um, it's on Netflix.
0: I think I talked about before when I was in Atlanta and we did the, the dialogue in the dark. Did I talk about that on here? Where like we went through the whole thing blind. I was there with LB and you go through and it's totally 100% dark. Like you can open your eyes and there's no light. But you're you're in different um, rooms and like the first room you go into is a grocery store and it's all the sounds of the grocery store and it's like you can feel like fruit that's cold and you know like it and you have to navigate through a grocery store with a basket and it's just it was so upsetting at points because then you go to another room and it's a crosswalk and you hear the sounds of cars and busy streets. And like, I mean, this was huge. This was in like a huge like warehouse thing. And so like, you really did feel like you were outside. You could feel the wind blow, like all this stuff. You have a God when you're going through it. And the whole time he's talking to us and he's telling about it, like he was like, this is this and use your senses for this and blah, blah, blah. And at the very end of it, you go in a room and it's like, it is slightly lit. And you sit down and you realize your god the whole time was blind. And he was like, this is what it's like for me every day. And I was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, like it was, it was really powerful. But it was this exhibit that they had in Atlanta uh, next to like the, the bodies exhibit. It was that. And then you could do dialogue in the dark.
2: Mine isn't that big a comparison. But when I lose my hearing aids or they get broke, I get yeah. upset. So much so that when I show up to the office and it gets fixed. Every time, like, I'm about to cry. Yeah. I don't think it's something of a deal until I like, get them back. And then I'm like, <gasps> I start to yeah. cry. Yeah. And get emotional How about it. Can you imagine,
0: though, having your sight taken away like that and, like, go getting it mm-hmm. back and forth? You know, I just imagine that such, like, finality when you are blind. God, that sucks. I, I can't imagine. I can imagine. So what's the book about that you're writing for it?
1: Okay. So um, the first two books in the series, it's the Paranormal series. So Reborn Yesterday and This Time Tomorrow. And then this is the final book. It's Tucker's book. He's um, an Uber Mm -hmm. driving vampire. I loved him. Yeah, he's like kind of described as – he describes himself as if a linebacker dressed like a pimp for Halloween. That's (laughs) (laughs) That's how he describes himself. Yeah. And so in the the end of the well, kind of like towards the end of the second book, he um, meets this girl. Uh, She's she's blind, but she gravitates towards him and she asks uh, him to drive her to her wedding. So (laughs) she's he's basically driving her to her wedding or his his, but his plan, because he immediately is like, this person's important to me. I can't. There's no way I can take her to be married to somebody else. Mm -hmm. But then he finds out that this, this person she's marrying can give her her sight.
0: Oh, so he kind of has the uh, tiger, yeah, because yeah. he loves
1: her, and so he can't deny yeah. her that, and so it's like a whole—that's mm-hmm. the conflict. But um
0: yeah, are you liking it? Yeah,
1: I am. I feel like I'm kind of struggling writing right now because I think I like kind of blew my wad in the beginning of the quarantine. <laughs> I wrote so fast and so much, and it—and then on all of a sudden now it's just like a real s- struggle. But um, it's gonna yeah. be. Great.
2: Yeah. No, I, I feel like I've just kind of started to get back. Yeah. To my I've throat. started to find my But stride. Maybe that's because, yeah, maybe I'm back running and stuff like that finally and making a schedule. It
0: seems yeah, like. I think with the kids going back to school for sure, that helped with like time management, maybe. I don't know. Well, we watched, we've been watching a show, Nurse Ratchet. Oh, yeah. You guys Sarah Wilson. Yeah. So we've, so it starts out. Like, the opening scene, this dude is slaughtering priests, and you're like, what the fuck is this? This guy's just, like, murdering them in this house, and he's telling them, like, you raped my mother, you got her pregnant with me, you're my father, like, and he, this is, like, ten seconds into this show. And we were like, what the fuck is happening? So this guy goes, he gets arrested and he goes to an insane asylum. And then all of a sudden you go to nurse ratchet and you're seeing like this woman shows up out of nowhere and basically weasels her way into a job. And you're like, what is she doing here? Why does she want to be in this facility with this crazy person that's being delivered to? And then you find out like their connection and all this stuff. And then, It is, like, I will say the episodes, it kind of reminds me of American Horror Story a little bit. Maybe not that dark all the time, but throughout the episode, each episode, there's usually one really fucked up thing that happens, and it's really fucked up. But the rest of the time, you're trying to figure out, like, what is the dynamic between these people? Who are these people? Like, it's a mystery that's sort of unfolding as you do it. And where are probably six episodes in and it's really good. Like we're we're enjoying it. My husband said he was like, I feel like they need to explain more of why she's there. And I was like, but yeah, but I feel like that's gonna be the big reveal. So or like what her what's her end game, you know? So I don't know if you guys have seen. It's the never one on Netflix. Uh, I, I'm, yeah, like it's a toss up between it's really watching, well done. starting
1: that or starting Lovecraft Country next. I'm probably gonna go oh, through Lovecraft God. Country first, though.
0: Lovecraft Country is good, but, but you can't binge it right now. Episodes oh, are still coming out every but week. I'm wait, but I'm gonna
1: wait. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, but we're almost. I don't know how many. Maybe they'll do ten. Maybe it's ten episodes. I think we're only like six episodes into Lovecraft Country too. I, Cobra I think that's Chi. all they have out. How, what did you think about the end of season two? Was it not incredible? I was so upset. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm telling you. Do you do you know who it is though for the end of season two? Do you have an idea of who it is? Who it is? What do you
1: mean who it
0: is? The at the end of season two, when it's like you hear the guy telling them, like you hear the voice telling, like the the person that's on the floor, and then you hear a voice. They don't show who it is, and they said he says something like. I can't I can't remember what he said but it's something to the effect of like uh where we're just getting started or something like that
1: oh I don't know all I know is that oh I don't want to spoil it for anybody okay well look if you haven't okay so if you haven't watched can I can we talk about the person yeah, who yeah. sent him a friend request at the very end of season two <laughs> yeah I immediately yes. I immediately texted my friend who uh-huh, loves it yeah. and I was like is this person coming back in the third scene? I know. Because that I know. would that's blow my mind.
0: No, it was the scene. That's one I'm talking about is the scene in the dojo where he's like, where the guy tells him, he's like, we're just getting started. I think it's after the text message. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's at the end. Maybe it's like the end of the previews or something. I don't know. There's a, but there's a part. All right. So listen, if you haven't seen it, just skip ahead like 30 seconds. Okay. So three, two, one. There's, like, a voice at the end of it where I think it's the guy from Karate Kid, is it part three, when he's in when he's in Okinawa? I think it's the guy he fought in Okinawa is coming back for revenge, the oh one he defeated. God. The young Asian guy? Well, they said in season out. three
1: that he goes to Okinawa. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so that's what I'm thinking, too. I'm thinking there's some sort of crossover Holy with mother. that guy. I just, I... Okay spoiler over <laughs> uh, it just it was so upsetting I will say though that um
1: and I don't think this is a spoiler but the character of Robbie you know like the um <laughs> yeah. he just lost all appeal throughout the season t- the end of season two I was so excited uh-huh. for his character and like for I him know to I
0: know and he turned into a shithead. He just kind of like lost his I don't know like yeah but it was good though yeah but it was it was a good it was a he turned into a villain. I like that. There, I
1: mean the show is just all antiheroes. It's just that's so that's good. So cool about
0: it. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. So definitely watch Cobra. Definitely Kai. watch Cobra Kai. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my god. Do you wanna get into do you wanna get into your, okay. your book? Yeah. I guess? Here is
1: the so we're gonna uh
0: oh, wait, should we talk about Yeah. Oh yeah our season so This is the end of season seven, and if you haven't noticed, we haven't promoted season eight yet. That is because we're going to take a much-needed break, so to speak, between um, now and January. So, we haven't had one since we started in 2018. It's two years now in October. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. When this airs, I think it will be like the two-year mark. So, it's just insane we've had this podcast that long, and... The next, not next week, but the week after, Alexa Riley's doing a preview. That's crazy. So in... In the interim, while we're taking this break, Mel and I are doing teasers. We're doing kind of what we're doing today, so this you're going to get sort of a feel for it. We've asked some authors to give us already produced audiobooks to give us some teasers to play from now until next season. So we'll come on, we'll have our chit-chat, we'll tell you what we're reading and book recommendations, and then we're just going to play the first two chapters of an audiobook and then tell you where to get it if you want to keep going. So... We're going to do that in between, and Tessa's going to continue to write her book and hopefully finish it. (laughs) (laughs) And and then. Not blow her wad so fast so she can keep going.
1: Yeah. For a while. Uh, but you guys will be in good hands. So I'm not so sad. And I'll.
0: It's okay if you listen and shout at the, at your listening device that, what your thoughts were on it. So you're like, me too. You can scream yes. that now. at your okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: So we're going to go ahead and play the first chapter of Tools of Engagement. And when we come back, I'll tell you what I'm giving away this week. So oh, yeah. see you on the other
2: side. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye. Chapter One. Wes Daniels cracked an eyelid. The street lamp outside the house let in just enough light for him to make out the silhouette of his five-year-old niece sitting on the end of his bed, wearing his cowboy hat. If these freaky wake-up calls weren't a regular occurrence, it would have scared the living shit out of him. The first time, he'd almost started shouting for the ghost child to go toward the light. His niece was an early riser, however, and this routine had been well-established over the last month. Didn't mean he had to accept it. Nope, still dark. Wes pulled the comforter up over his head. You have to stay in bed until the clock says six, two dots, double zero, kid. We talked about this. But I don't wanna go to school today. School isn't for. he lifted his head and checked the clock. Lord, school isn't until 9 AM, that's four hours from now. You could fit one and a half major league baseball games into that. She was silent a moment. I don't have any friends at school. Sure you do. When she didn't respond, Wes sighed, reaching over and turning on the lamp, finding a super serious child peeking at him from beneath the brim of his tan felt hat. How on God's green earth am I responsible for a five-year-old? He asked himself that question several times a day, but the absurdity of the arrangement struck harder in the morning time. Wes cleared the sleep from his voice. What about the girl with the mini backpack? You two seemed pretty chummy when I dropped you off yesterday. She's best friends with Hallie. That means she can't be your friend too? Lara shrugged and pursed her lips, a clear indication she was about to change tactics. My stomach is going to hurt in four hours. Time to face facts, he wasn't getting that extra hour of sleep. Hell, he couldn't remember the last time he'd woken up in the actual daylight. If only my friends could see me now. In the not so distant past, Wes would have slept straight through a hangover and woken up just in time to hit the San Antonio bars all over again with whatever cash he'd managed to scrape together rodeo riding. Even now, he was just shy of his 24th birthday. This was prime oat sowing time. But everything had changed with one phone call. He'd been yanked from a party lifestyle free of responsibilities in Texas and dropped onto a foreign planet, also known as Port Jefferson, Long Island. To raise a child. Good thing it was temporary. And hell, what wasn't? Wes swallowed the hard object in his throat and rolled into a sitting position at the edge of the bed, reaching for his discarded shirt on the floor and tugging it on over his head. Come on, kid, let's go see what infomercials are on. Maybe we'll get lucky with some cooking demonstrations. Lara brightened. Maybe Instant Pot. He ruffled her hair and helped her off the bed. Here's hoping. No sooner had Wes gotten Laura settled on the couch with a blanket did she request apple juice. While retrieving it from the kitchen, he leaned down and scanned the various schedules taped to his refrigerator. There were goddamn four of them. Four schedules. To say it was a rough transition going from no schedules to four would be putting it lightly. Schedule one, Kindergarten. Every day was a something day. Bring a silly poem to share with the class, wear yellow, dress like a superhero. For the love of God, wasn't homework enough? Wes wasn't even sure what PTA stood for. But when he found out, he was going to show up at a meeting and solve the mystery of who was behind these crazy ass something days. He or she probably had fangs and a maniacal laugh. He sighed and rested his head on the fridge a moment before focusing on schedule two, a.k.a. the almighty food rotation. There was a local group of women called the Just Us League, and they'd taken it upon themselves to bring him and Laura labeled containers of food when they found out about his situation. At first, he'd been pleased as hell to inform them he didn't need charity, but he had just enough humility to admit they'd be eating pizza every night without the meals. Not to mention, the Just Us League organizer was Bethany Castle, and Wes didn't turn down chances to be in her vicinity. No, sir, only an idiot would. He might have taken a few hits to the noggin after being tossed off the backs of some angry bulls, but Wes wasn't a fool. He knew a 10 when he saw one. Bethany was a 15, which brought him to the third schedule, childcare. It was written in Bethany's handwriting, and he ran his finger over the neat, feminine letters now, smiling over her color-coded system of deciding which Just Us League member would babysit Laura until he got home from work each day. She was never on the schedule herself, of course. Kids weren't exactly her area of expertise. Join the club, gorgeous. What were her areas of expertise? Turning him on and driving him nuts? And she excelled at them. Good thing he was an expert at driving her nuts right back, which brought Wes to his fourth and final schedule, work. Starting Monday morning, he'd have the opportunity to get under Bethany's skin on an extended basis. When Wes landed in Port Jefferson last month, he'd had just enough construction experience on his resume to land a gig with the local house flipping gods, Brick and Morty. Their next project happened to be located right across the street from Bethany's house. Yes, sir. Come Monday morning, he would be driving Bethany nuttier than ever. Bring it on. Uncle Wes, Laura shouted over an infomercial about revolutionary mops. Apple juice. Damn, kid, what did your last maid die from? He drawled, prying open the fridge and taking out the yellow and gold container. Do you want Cheerios? he called over his shoulder. Don't wait for me to sit down to ask. Tell me now. Kay, cheerios. A smile played around his mouth as he took down a bowl, dumping in a handful of dry cereal. He might be a far cry from the ideal father figure, but he had this kid's quirks down to a science. They would need to begin figuring out her outfit by seven o'clock, or she would panic and melt down. He frowned, trying to remember if he threw her favorite pink jean shorts into the washer. Apple juice, his niece shrieked from the living room. Coming, he droned, walking to the couch and handing her the cup before wedging the small bowl of Cheerios between her knees. Don't spill, this isn't my couch. Lara sent him an uneasy glance, and Wes cursed inwardly. Why had he gone and said that? She didn't need the reminder her parents had split and left her in the care of a clueless bachelor. Wasn't Wes being here in their place reminder enough? After the failure of his sister's relationship, she'd called him claiming to need a breather from her responsibilities, including motherhood. With no childcare experience to speak of, he'd gotten on a plane in San Antonio and flew to New York, only to realize this shit was complicated. Raising a child was a damn sight more than providing food and shelter. It also involved a fair amount of mind reading, multitasking, and patience. All on a very small quantity of sleep. Good thing Wes was only there to fill in the gap until his sister decided to be a mother again and came home. Just until I get my act together, she'd said. But a month had come and gone without so much as a text. Still, Laura didn't need him reminding her their arrangement was temporary. Wes sat down beside Laura and tucked her into his side. He waited a few minutes, but she didn't eat a single Cheerio, making his stomach sink. His dumb comment was just another prime example of his inability to do this. To be here, attempting to be a child's caregiver. Knowing what would distract her and get her spirits back up, he snuck a Cheerio and popped it into his mouth. Hey, she complained, couch snacks are fair game. You want food all to yourself, you sit at the table, everyone knows that. No, he shrugged, better eat them fast before I snag some more. Lara turned her body to shield the bowl of dry cereal and shoveled a fistful into her mouth, better. She was still mid-chew when her spine snapped straight and she pointed at the television. Ooh, Instant pot, Wes cozied deeper into the couch cushions. Now we're talking, kid. He waited until she was distracted by the infomercial to work his mind voodoo. You know, I'm no expert on making friends, but if I was hanging out in the classroom, pasting macaroni onto construction paper and stuff, just minding my own business, and one of the other kids did a perfect Scooby-Doo impression, I would want her at my craft table, 100%. She sucked in a breath. I do a good Scooby-Doo impression? Oh, that's right, he snapped his fingers. You do, how's that go again? Scooby-dooby-doo, she howled, eyes crossing a little. That one? Was he biased, or should there be a talent scout knocking on their door? That's quality work, Laura. It's like I'm in the room with Scooby, she beamed. Now you do it. He did it terribly on purpose. I can't compete, you're the master. Thanks. His niece crawled up under his arm and laid her head on his chest. We don't glue macaroni to paper at school anymore. We have iPads now. Instead of addressing her implication that he was out of touch, Wes looked down at the top of Laura's head, frozen. This was new, she'd never cuddled up to him before. Unsure exactly how to proceed, he relaxed his arm around her shoulders, settled them in as a unit, and went back to watching the television. If there was a weird flip in the middle of his chest, he ignored it. Probably just fatigue or something. Bethany walked through her living room, toothbrush stuck in her mouth. Using one hand to scrub her pearly whites, she ran the admiring opposite hand over the jeweled throw pillows that decorated her couch. She wiggled her toes in her thick white carpet and sighed happily moving the brush to her back teeth and cleaning them with a vigorous circling of bristles. Tonight's Just Us League meeting was set to begin in an hour. Their official positivity whiteboard was arranged at the perfect angle in the living room and the blinds were drawn to an optimal position, allowing in the right amount of Saturday evening light, made hazy by late fall weather. Champagne flutes were arranged on the kitchen island, waiting to be filled with bubbly, She lit a candy apple candle upon returning from her hair appointment, and the interior of her home called to mind a small town harvest festival. God, I'm good, she said, the words garbled by her toothbrush. A dribble of white foam cascaded down her chin, and she swiped it away. Ew, Beth. She jogged up the stairs to her ensuite bathroom, the glowing flicker of her favorite vanilla candles swaying against the white tile before she spit into the sink and wiped her mouth. She turned her good side to the mirror and smiled, giving her blonde hair a gentle tousle. Welcome everyone, what smell? Oh, The candle, I picked it up at an outdoor bazaar in the Hamptons, while shopping for artwork to stage our latest flip. She leaned close to the mirror and ran her tongue along her top row of teeth. Glamorous, me, no, you're so sweet. She pushed away from her marble vanity, turning on her big toe and entering the bedroom. Two outfits were laid out on the bed, a cream-colored cashmere sweater that left one shoulder bare, paired with black leather leggings, and a red turtleneck dress. Since she usually wore the former with boots and wouldn't be leaving the house, she went with option one and slipped on a pair of gold ballet flats to complement the ensemble. You'll do, she whispered looking over her reflection with a critical eye. You've worn this before, though. Bethany scratched at the side of her neck on her way into the walk-in closet. Her pulse started to hammer beneath her fingertips, and she forced herself to stop scratching before she left red marks. She didn't have time for an outfit change now. Georgie and Rosie would be arriving any minute to help set up for the meeting. The front door opened and closed downstairs the voices of her younger sister and their best friend drifting up the stairs. She took a centering deep breath. Be there in just a minute, she called cheerfully, yanking hangers off the racks and running a mental checklist of the outfits she'd worn since the inception of their women-powered support group. If the members knew she was agonizing over her outfit, they would laugh at her, tell her she was being silly. Heck, some of them wore variations of the same ensemble to every meeting, didn't they? They weren't Bethany Castle, though. No, they were a hell of a lot more authentic. Realizing she was scratching at her neck again, Bethany forced herself to stop, finding a silk emerald green tunic at the back of her closet with the tag still hanging from the wrist. She snapped them off and pulled the garment over her head, speedwalking toward the stairs. Before descending, she tucked her hair artfully behind one ear and fanned the irritated skin at her neck. Then- Fingertips casually trailing down the banister, she greeted Georgie and Rosie with a smile. You ladies look like I need a cocktail, Georgie laughed from her perch on the kitchen stool. (laughs) On it, she said, popping the cork from a chilling bottle of champagne Bethany had arranged in a silver bucket beside the flutes. I'm on food, Rosie called, sticking a tray of something delicious looking into the oven. Beth, we need to have a serious talk about Georgie. I'm right here, Georgie protested. You can't miss me. Let me guess, Bethany accepted a glass of champagne and took a small sip. This is bachelorette party related? Rosie nodded. She won't commit to a plan. She's noncommittal. Georgie threw up her hands, splashing champagne onto the island. I don't want one. The wedding is the party. I don't need a pre-party party. Bethany stuck out her bottom lip. Pre-parties serve a purpose. It will save you from drinking too much and stumbling through the cha-cha slide on your wedding day. You'll have gotten it out of your system. She grabbed a folded kitchen towel and wiped up the fizzy splotch of alcohol. Besides, I've already planned it. There's a binder with colored tabs and everything. Rosie snorted into the back of her wrist. Knew it. What? Georgie sputtered before falling silent for a moment. Details, please. She shifted on her stool. You know, so I can say no, firmly. Bethany smiled into a sip of champagne. You won't say no. Her certainty wasn't unfounded. As a professional house stager for her family's company, Brick and Morty, planning, executing, and beautifying was Bethany's purpose on this earth. When presented with a blank canvas, she took light, shadow, spacing, practicality, and wow factor into account. And she turned an empty shell into a home. No stitch out of place or book spine askew, perfection. Something inside her never stopped yearning for that tip top mountain peak. That odd reaction she received at the end of her stages, that rush of accomplishment. At some point, that quest for perfection had bled into every other aspect of her life, and continued to bleed, and bleed. But that was a positive thing, right? When she realized her hand was curled too tightly around the champagne flute, she set it down with a flourish and smiled. We're starting with brunch at the Four Seasons, moving on to an afternoon of pampering. You'll be getting married hairless and shiny, you're welcome. And we'll round the night out with a harmless orgy. What's not to love? Stop, Oh God, Georgie coughed, eyes tearing. Champagne burning the insides of my nose, so painful. Tell her the real plan, you evil woman, Rosie scolded, biting back a smile. Bethany rolled her eyes. Fine, we're ending the night with a combined bachelor bachelorette dinner at Buena Onda, mom and dad will be there too. I knew that's what you'd want, Travis and Georgie forever, yada, yada, you make me sick. Georgie jumped off her stool and threw her arms around Bethany's middle. I love it, I can commit to this. She squealed and attempted to crush Bethany's ribs. Thank you, it's perfect. Bethany kissed her cheek and waved her off. You're welcome. The doorbell rang. Bethany picked up her champagne flute again, holding it with a loose wrist, and put on a bright hostess smile on her way to the door. Details mattered. Every detail mattered. When she opened the door with a flick of her wrist, leaned a hand high on the door frame, and tossed her hair, taking a dramatic sip of champagne, the women on her porch saw exactly what she wanted them to see. A woman who had it all together. A woman who made everything look effortless. Ten minutes later, two dozen women were settled in, some on the couch, others sitting cross-legged on the floor, or even standing. Bethany took her place in front of the whiteboard and picked up her marker, twirling it between her fingers and giving the room a sly look. Shall we open with our song? A cheer lifted the already joyful atmosphere. Their theme song was totally ridiculous, had been cobbled together after way too many drinks, and was sung to the tune of Jingle Bells, but it was theirs. This club was theirs. It was hard to believe they'd grown from three members who'd had the misfortune of being early to Zumba class into this. That night, she'd been good and fed up with the male population, having been cheated on by a community theater director. She'd noticed her friends were in similar situations and decided to bolster her journey to a man-free lifestyle with a club where women supported women. Now, they were a veritable faction of ass kickers who met weekly to discuss their goals and support one another in that journey. She'd watched the meek grow mighty in this very room, witnessed her own sister and best friend reach for their professional dreams. Each week, Bethany stood at the whiteboard and listed accomplishments so they could be seen in black and white, or gold metallic, as it were. If she continued to razzle-dazzle them with proof of their own amazingness, maybe they wouldn't realize she was long overdue to add her own triumph to the board. Oh, She'd made a lot of noise about branching out from the family business on her own. I want to swing a sledgehammer. At the time, she'd meant it. Even now, she meant it the actual swinging was yet to happen. Bethany clicked her heels together, holding the marker like a mic. I'll start. She made a show of clearing her throat, garnering a few chuckles from the room. Lady balls, lady balls, we're not on short supply. Everyone picked up where she left off. If a challenge seems too tough, just poke it in the eye. Ole, Georgie finished. With the notes still hanging in the air, Bethany tapped her fingernails on the whiteboard. Who would like to go first? She squinted at Cheryl, who'd been struggling with her new job hunt. How did the interview go this week? Well, Cheryl pressed her lips together. Very well, actually. The firm made me an offer, and I used it to leverage a raise from my current employer. So I booked a trip to Barbados. She slapped her hands to her cheeks, Is that crazy? I haven't had a vacation in four years. Not crazy, Georgie called on her trip back from the fridge, a fresh bottle of chilled champagne in her hand. You've definitely earned the right to lounge on the beach and drink rum out of a coconut, or a scuba instructor's navel, dealer's choice. Three cheers for Cheryl. Clapping and whistling filled the room. Bethany wrote, leverage slash Barbados slash navel drinking on the board and turned back to the room. Who is next? What about you, Bethany? Cheryl asked, still flushed from the applause. You were so excited to try and flip a house by yourself without your family breathing down your neck. You applied for those construction permits months ago, right? Have they come through? Bethany retained her wide smile, but a screw seemed to loosen in her belly button, dropping her stomach to the carpet. In her mind's eye, she could see the thick envelope where she'd stashed it inside her suitcase and shoved it to the back of her closet. It had been there for weeks, taunting her. What were you thinking striking off on your own? Since graduating college, Bethany had been staging houses for Brick and Morty. But there was a part of her that had grown restless with paint swatches and ship lap and tasteful greenery while having no say on layout. She'd been so sure she wanted that to change. No, I haven't received the permits yet, she breathed, her thumb biting into the dry erase marker when her voice didn't sound quite natural enough. But you better believe I'll hear back soon. I didn't want to resort to calling in favors, but desperate times. A bead of perspiration slid down her spine. Would someone else like to? It's a little odd, isn't it? Steven seems to get his permits so fast. Cheryl continued, referring to Bethany's older brother, also known as the CEO of Brick and Morty, who wanted to keep everything, including Bethany, in her place. Cheryl gestured toward the front window. The house across the street only went on sale last month. I heard they're already starting demo on Monday. He must be bribing someone at the permit office. A buzzing started in Bethany's skull. I'm sorry. Did you say Brick and Morty is starting a flip on Monday across the street from my house? Mom might have mentioned during my final dress fitting, Georgie said from her lean against the wall wincing. Sorry, Beth, I thought Stephen told you. He did not, but it's fine. I mean, (laughs) Bethany let out a casual laugh, tucking a loose strand of hair behind her ear. With a construction crew across the street, I guess I'll have to start wearing pants to the mailbox. A little annoying, but I'll cope. Laughter spilled out around the room, and Bethany used the moment to divert focus from herself. Carrying on the rest of the meeting was not easy, however, because her mind kept returning to two very alarming facts. One, she couldn't stall any longer. Either she started her own flip or she backed out, and the latter wasn't an option if she wanted to retain her pride. Two, Wes Daniels, the man who drove her insane with his Texas twang and eyes that scrutinized her far too closely, would be working across the street for the foreseeable future. She saw him on job sites during the final stages, when measuring for furniture or instructing painters. But across the street from her home, Wes would be impossible to avoid. A twist in Bethany's belly told her World War III was on the horizon. Bring it on.
1: Hey, we're back.
3: Hi. Hey.
1: Okay, so I'm giving away a signed hardback of tools of engagement and a $50 Ooh, fancy. Yeah, and a $50 Amazon gift card to one uh, listener. So go to readmeromance.com and go to the current audiobook and you can enter to win. And yeah, like like Leah said in a couple of weeks. Um is it a couple of weeks from now, uh, Alexa Riley is going to be here? Well,
0: next week we'll have an audiobook. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kay Webster. We have um, a teaser from her for okay. next week. She has a book that's coming out. So... She wanted to do an audio teaser with her, but she needed it for that specific week. So we pushed ours back. So instead of us, normally, you know, Tessa Bailey and Alex really go back to back, but we decided to push ours out. So Kay Webster is going to be here. I think we're going to air that episode on Tuesday. So if it's Monday and you don't have an episode, don't get too cranky. It will probably air on Tuesday on the day it releases for her. So just so you guys have it. But yeah, she's going to be up next and then we'll be after that.
1: Yeah, I know. And like, you know, I hope, Everybody knows how much I love being on this podcast, but I just have to take uh, some time and, and get myself straightened out, like in terms of work, because I'm behind. And yeah, uh, for sure. So you guys know how it goes. Also, yeah, I'm a teacher yeah.
0: now. <laughs> so, <laughs> a I teacher, know, a I know, I know.
1: I nurse, an author, a wife. It's just a lot. So
0: it yeah. is a lot. And this podcast is really demanding. You know, I don't think people realize how how many people it takes to run it. And how much work goes into it, you know, and it's, you know, it seems like, oh, it's only, you know, an episode or two a week or whatever it is, but it's, it's every day, you know, it's demanding. It takes a lot. So, yeah. All right. So if you liked that
1: narrator as well for Tools of Engagement, that's Charlotte North. I wanted to make sure I shouted her out. She did the whole series and she was incredible. Loved her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I listened to her on the other
0: book. She's great. Mm -hmm. Okay, Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye.